In this new series, we're going to see how to pray our way through all kinds of situations in life. This weekend, we start with preparations for prayer. This message is the first in the series, Talk to Me. The message is entitled, Prepared to Pray. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to talk to us in these next uh, 10 weeks, actually. It's a 10-week series, and the title of it is Talk to Me. I want to talk to us about talking to God. What does it mean to talk to God? How do you and I enter into this thing called prayer, and how do we make sure that prayer is really changing things in our lives and really making a difference? I would venture to say that prayer is something that practically everyone does at some point in time. But I would also venture to say and submit to each of us this evening that prayer is something that we all struggle with from time to time. Even as Christian believers, we we kind of know that prayer is an important part of our spiritual journey, but sometimes we don't know quite how to do it, and sometimes we're not doing it, we feel like, very effectively. And so we we know very little about prayer. For most Christians, it seems like sort of a mystery. What is prayer? Is it sort of throwing up some words up into the heavens somewhere and sort of crossing your fingers and hoping something happens? Is that kind of what prayer is? Or are there practical principles that we can apply to prayer that allow us to actually experience what God designed for us to experience in prayer? Answers coming our way. So how do you and I build a solid, effective, fruitful prayer life. How many of you would like to see more of your prayers answered? Amen. I want to see more of my prayers answered. And so to be effective in prayer, I have to learn how to pray it the way pray God God's way, how he teaches us to pray. Now, what I want to focus on this weekend is not so much what were the elements of prayer that we'll be involved in for the next nine weeks. I'm going to talk to you about how to pray your way through a variety of circumstances that will come your way this year. But tonight I'm simply focusing on how to be prepared to pray. Because if you're going to build a life of prayer, any building requires some preparation. Before you actually go and build a structure, a house, or an edifice that you're going to build, you have to do some prep work. There has to be some plans that are put in place and some architectural drawings that are done. There's some things that have to be uh, moved. There has to be uh, grading work that transpires. All kind of things have to happen before the building starts going up. And so I want to draw your attention this weekend to some basics that need to be in place if you're going to be an effective person of prayer. And the best place to go to and to find direction for prayer are the words of Jesus himself. And in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15, Jesus gave us what I would call some basic instructions or basic directions for an effective prayer life. Let me read for you again Matthew 6, beginning in verse number 5, down through verse 15. And I am reading from the New King James Version this weekend. And when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, notice that when you pray, here are our instructions, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. He that represents those that do not know God. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Read now with me. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now listen as I read the rest of these two verses. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I'm going to share with you today five beginning points for a strong prayer life. From this teaching of Jesus, what do we take away from this passage that will help us to prepare the way to pray our way through all kinds of things that will come our way in 2015 and in the years to come? And so five things that will help you to pray well, five beginning points of prayer. Number one, if you're going to pray well, you need to know you need God. You will never pray well until you know how much you need God. Effective prayer life really is the result of realizing how much you need what prayer provides. And until you see your need for God, not your need for prayer, by the way, but your need for God. See, what you need is not more prayer. You need more of God. Now, prayer is a pathway to God, but it's not that prayer is the end result. Prayer is the way that we get to what we really need, and that is a relationship with God. And you will never become a praying person until you understand how much you need God. Now, I want to give you a few warnings as we start out this weekend, things that you need to be aware of in your own life, because these things will always hinder your prayer life. The first thing that will hinder your prayer life is when you forget God. And oftentimes we forget God, don't we? In the midst of our day-to-day living, see, forgetting means to lose focus on something that you knew. And sometimes in life you just forget how much you need God. You're going along and things may be seeming to go well and life seems to be turning out sort of the way that you were wanting it at times and you move along and it seems to be everything is sort of in place and you forget God, you forget how much you need Him. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 11 through 18, the Israelites faced this same experience in their lives and God gave them a warning. He said, beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when, notice this, for when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that He led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant He confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. The Bible says, God reminds us, don't forget me. Don't forget me. And so in the midst of a life of blessing and a life that God has blessed, things that He's blessed you with, make sure that you don't forget God. But I prom- Because I promise you, when you start to forget God, you will pray less. Because you don't recognize how much you really need Him. The second thing we're warned about in the Bible is not only forgetting God, but actually rejecting God. 
And there's some folks that actually push God away as God tries to work in their lives. They have a response of no and resistance to Him. And I want to warn you not to reject God because when you start rejecting God, you're also going to pray less. You will not move into God and seek God if you are rejecting God. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 19, the Bible says, But you now have rejected your God who saves you out of all your disasters and calamities. And you have said, No, appoint a king over us, so now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. This is when Israel had made the choice and asked Samuel to appoint a king over them. And God comes back and says, You've actually rejected me as being the king over you by asking for a human king. And many times we're willing to let other things rule and reign over our lives rather than God. So do not reject God. Jeremiah 5, 19. And when your people ask, Why did the Lord our God do all this to us? You must repent. You rejected him and gave yourselves to foreign gods in your own land. Now you will serve foreigners in a land that is not your own. Again, we're warned, don't forget God and don't reject God. And thirdly, this is the one we're perhaps most guilty of, don't ignore God. Because when you fail to pray, you're actually ignoring God. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 18, the scripture says of the people of God, you ignored the rock who fathered you and forgot the God who gave you life. How many times in your life and my life has that been true of us? We ignored the rock who fathered you that gave you life and the God who gave you the life and strength that you have. And so we, we ignore God. We push Him out of our life, not so much willingly, but just by the busyness and the distractions of life. And so as we get started in this series, I want to remind you of how important it is to know that you really need God. Why do you need God? I will tell you why you need God. A number of reasons is because you're going to face limitations and restrictions in your life without Him. You're going to miss a lot of opportunities in your life without God being actively involved in your life. You're going to make a lot of mistakes if God is not actively involved in your life. And you're going to experience a lot of unnecessary pain in your life if God is not actively involved in your life. You need God in your life. The old songwriter said, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. God never pushes his way into any of our lives. He responds to our invitation. He responds to our initiative. John, James chapter 4, verse 8, the first part of that verse says, and when you draw close to God, God will do what? God will draw close to you. Know that you need God. The second thing. If you're going to pray well, you need to understand the privilege of prayer. Understand the privilege of prayer. I want you to consider with me for a moment what prayer is. Prayer is simply this. It is communication with God. Prayer is talking to God. Would you say that phrase with me? Prayer is talking to God. Say it again with me. Prayer is talking to God. That's all prayer is, okay? It also involves an element of listening as well to God, and I'll talk about that some as we go through the series, but what I want you to see is that prayer is not some complicated thing. Prayer is talking to God, and what that means is this for each one of us. At any time, as often as we want to, God makes himself available to communicate with us. Did you hear what I just said? Anytime you want to, as often as you would like to, God makes himself available to communicate with you. God doesn't say, I'm only available between 9 and 5. Monday through Friday, 
If you catch me before 9, I'm not in the office. After 5, I'm out. And don't try to reach me on Saturday. God doesn't live that way. God is the ever-present God, always available to us. And God gives us access to Him all the time. He's available to us 24-7, 365. There's no time. I can tell you there have been times that I've awakened at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning with a burden in my heart and got down and prayed. And guess what? I met God when, I, when it was early in the morning. There have been times I've met Him late at night. There have been times I've met Him in the middle of the day. There have been times I've met Him in the early portion of the day. But I will tell you, anytime I've gone to God, He's always been there for me. God is available 24-7, 365. We have the privilege of access to Him. And here's the other aspect of that privilege. He also promises to answer us. That when we come to Him, we, God says, I promise you, if you'll approach me, I will answer you. I'm going to ask you to read with me three passages here. They're, they should should be on your notes, Psalm 50, verse 15. Let's read this one together. And call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. Did you hear that? God said, call on me when you're in trouble. And God says, I will do what? I will deliver you. How many of you can testify tonight that at some point in time in your life when you were in trouble, you called on God and he helped you in that moment? Raise your hand. Amen. He did that for you. He'll do it for you. And that's the confidence that we carry with us in prayer. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Read this one with me. Here we go. Call to me, and I will answer you. I will tell you great and mysterious things that you do not know. God says, if you just reach out to me, there's stuff that you don't know that I know, God says. And the way you get to know what I know is by calling on me, and I promise you that I will give you insight, understanding. Matthew 7, verse 7. Together. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. I want you to notice the promises of prayer. We can be confident when we pray. Prayer is an incredible privilege, and you and I need to understand the privilege of this thing called prayer if we're ever going to pray well. Number three, to pray well, you have to become part of God's family. The promises and the privileges of prayer are provided for people who meet a certain condition. I want you to notice what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 6. We read it a few moments ago, but I want to draw your attention back to it again. Listen closely. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your, circle that word on your notes, or at least note it in your mind, write it down, Father. Pray to your Father, who is in the secret place, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. What is the operational word for us being able to access God? It is a relationship with Him as our Father. What is the key word here? The key word, there are a lot of instructions here, but the key word, if you don't get this word, you'll never understand prayer because the key word is Father. To pray effectively, you have to know God as your Heavenly Father. Now, what does it mean to know God as your Heavenly Father? There are at least two applications of this. The first application is involves being born again into the family of God. You have to be in the family. And there's a way that you and I get into the family. We get into the family of God by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, God's Son. 
Jesus said it this way in John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. He came to his own. John the Apostle writes here and says, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him. This is Jesus. To them he gave the right to become, what's the word there? Children of God to those who believe in his name, who were, not bo- who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so John says the way we get to be a part of the family is that we're born into the family. See, the way you get into the family of God, you have to be born into that family by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to be born again. It means that you've been born, first of all, into your humanity. That's your first birth. But your second birth is to put your faith in Christ and you're born again into the family of believers. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. You haven't received, talking to believers here, you haven't received the spirit of slaves that leads you again into fear again. Instead, you've received the spirit of God's adopted children by which we call out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If we are his children, we're also God's heirs. And if we share in Christ's suffering in order to share in His glory, we are heirs together with Him. And so effective prayer is a family privilege. My kids can come and ask me for things that other people can't ask me for. Amen? My kids can ask me for stuff that that I wouldn't expect. It wouldn't even be appropriate for other people to ask me of because I'm their dad. Because I'm their dad, they have a unique access to me and capacity and confidence to ask of me certain things that that others would not have because that relationship doesn't exist. And the same is true in your relationship with God. Because you come to, to God with faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, you're brought into the family and you become one of God's children. As one of God's children, you have the privilege now of being able to go to God, not as someone that's on the outside, you're on the inside now. You're part of the family if you know Christ. And it's extremely important that you and I understand this. You're not an outsider. You are an insider. Say it with me. I'm not an outsider. I am an insider. You've got to get this because this will change the way you pray. If you're always praying like an outsider, as though I wonder if God's going to listen to me or hear me. I feel like I'm sort of on the outside with God. It'll, it'll affect your prayer life. But when you realize you're in the family, okay, you belong, that you're an insider, you're part of God's family and a part of His fellowship with Him, it changes your mindset. John 14, 13, 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be, know this again, it's the Father may be glorified in the Son. You, talking to us as believers, may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now knowing God as your Heavenly Father also involves something else I don't have a lot of time to talk about tonight. But knowing God as your Father also involves getting to know His characteristics, getting to know His nature. Because you can know a Father But this is especially true if you've grown up in a family background either without a father or maybe with an abusive father or a father that did not really reflect a lot of God's nature. Then you'll have a tendency to take your experience from your human father and really sort of paste it onto God. And God is the best father of all. There is no father like God. He's loving. He's kind. He's gracious. He's merciful. 
He's available. He's all these things. And so part of what it means to get to know God as your father is to learn the characteristics of God. That over time you learn how good he is and how loving he is and how wise he is and how caring he is and how generous he is. See, God is an amazing God. He also is an amazing father. You have an amazing father. No matter what your earthly father was like, some of us perhaps had very good fathers, but I will tell you, God trumps any father. He's the greatest father of all. So to become a part of God's family is the way you come to that place of confidence in prayer. Number four, the fourth thing you have to learn to pray in a guided way. If you're going to pray well, you pray in a guided way. Anytime you're trying to get somewhere that you don't quite know where you're going, you need a guide. You need to understand how do I get there. So give me, somebody give me a map, please, okay? Tell me how to get from where I'm at to where I want to be. I know I want to pray, and I want to be a praying person because I realize how important prayer is, but would someone please give me a map? Would somebody give me a, a way to do this? Can I have an understanding of how to do it? And Jesus actually gave us a road map for prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, we read it a few moments ago. Let me give it back to you again, verses 5 through 9. Listen closely. I want you to let these words sink deep in your heart. And when you pray, it's a very important statement, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. So there's some people that pray for the wrong reasons, okay? Obvious, right? Some people pray so that people will think, oh, wow, they're really religious. And they do it for pretense. They do it to kind of make a show. I mean, Jesus said, that's not what I'm looking for. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. In other words, they got their reward because they were looking for the praise of men. They got the praise and approval of man, so they got what they were looking for. So their reward has already come to them. But you, he's talking to us as his children, when you pray. Notice again, when. When you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, are you getting it? When you pray, go into your room. I'm going to explain all this in a moment in terms of its application to us. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. That's those that don't know God. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. That is, pray like this. Now, let me give you guidance for prayer. I'm going to give you four things that will guide you in your prayer life, okay? The first thing is if you're going to become a good person of prayer, a person that learns to pray effectively, you have to make prayer a regular part of your life, okay? Regular part of your life. You can't just do it occasionally when you're in trouble. There are a lot of people that are great trouble prayers. They get into trouble and all of a sudden they're looking up God's address. Or I know he's in here somewhere. Where's that? Where's that? I'm in trouble. I need God. And while it's certainly appropriate and vital for us when we're in trouble to call on God, that should not be the only time you're talking to God. Amen? God wants to talk to you all the time and he wants you to talking to him on a regular basis. And so that's why Jesus said, when you pray, he didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray. When implies some consistency, some regularity in your life. And I, I really want to encourage you in 2015 to establish some kind of regular pattern of prayer. And I mean, I'm not just talking about sort of 
kicking prayers up from time to time. I'm talking about a particular time of your day where you're actually bringing certain requests before God and spending specific time with Him. It's extremely important in terms of your spiritual destiny and your future. Jesus said, when you pray. Now, Jesus Himself demonstrated times of prayer in His ministry, in His life. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, what did Jesus do? Hit the snooze button? No, Jesus did what? He got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he did what? Prayed. So what we surmise from this is there must have been some kind of pattern in Jesus' life. We don't know that he did this every day, but it seems to have been some kind of a pattern that he had in his life, that he would get up early in the morning and he would go out of wherever it was that he, he was, where he was staying, his, his abode, his habitat, and he would find a solitary place where he would spend time with his Father. How did Jesus do all that he did? He did it because he was receiving from his Father by times of prayer with his Father. Now, that was a regular occurrence in the life of Christ. Let's go now to another example of more of a spontaneous moment, a when moment in Jesus' life. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called, notice again, a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And so this is the time that he's going to go to the crucifixion, and he needs some special times of prayer. And so what I want you to see is that in your life, you need regular times of prayer, and you're also going to have some special times of prayer. In my life, I try to establish and have a regular pattern of prayer, but is that the only time I pray? No, there are times when something comes up. I need to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and do some special prayer. And so in your life, there's regular prayer, regular consistent prayer, and special times of prayer that need to be a part of your prayer life. And so prayer needs to be consistent, needs to be regular. Second thing is prayer is about building a relationship with God, not about practicing a religion. Anybody want to say hallelujah to that, okay? Prayer is not religious exercise. It's not like, okay, I've got to pray, and so I'm going to do my duty today, and I've got this list I'm going to check off. Did I pray? Yeah, I prayed today, so God must be really impressed with me. In fact, I've been five days straight. I must really be impressing God. No, that doesn't impress God at all, okay? That doesn't get you to heaven. That doesn't make you a better Christian. doesn't make you accepted. Works never earn you favor with God. You have all the favor of God that you'll ever have right now because you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. So you're not praying so you can earn something from God. You don't need to earn anything from God. You're praying to get a hold of God, let God work in your life. It's about a relationship. I promise you, my wife does not want me to come to her and say, okay, honey, I know that on my list, I must spend time with you this week. So, okay, we did that last 15 minutes. Done, okay? I'm a good husband, okay? No, that's not what she wants. Right, ladies? Oh, ladies, I gave you an opportunity right then. You should have you shouted the house down there at the moment, okay? It's too late, okay? What my wife wants is to know that I'm interested in a relationship with her, right? I want to talk to her and have her talk to me because we're building something. We're not just going through the rituals of a marriage. I'm building a relationship with her. I'm sustaining a relationship with her. And so it's important that we understand that as well. Now, Jesus in no way is saying that, that public prayers are wrong or that uh, prayers that are structured or wrong, nothing like that. But he's saying you don't pray out of religion, you pray out of relationship. 
He's looking for, here's another word for you. You may want to write it down. He's looking for realness when you pray. Okay? You know, sometimes you hear these, these prayers. I'm not here to condemn anybody, but they're just like so unreal. Okay? You know, you know, people don't talk the way they pray. Our most holy Father, heavenly, thouest, shoutest. You know, you're like, did you, did you just like, for that moment, become Elizabethan? Okay, is that what it was? Okay, like, okay, what happened here? Okay, can you talk like in your regular language, in your regular tone? Okay, so a lot of people have a religious tone and a regular tone, right? And God says, don't give me that stuff. I don't, I don't even know you when you talk like that, okay? Who are you, okay? God says, would you just talk to me the way you talk to other people? Would you just come to me in realness because I want to have a real relationship with you. Matthew, excuse me, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus also used this illustration with some who were sure that God approved of them while they, while they looked down on everyone else. He said, two men went into the temple courtyard to pray. One was a Pharisee, that was a religious person, and the other one was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. You follow the tone here, okay? I'm not a robber, dishonest person. I have not committed adultery. I'm not even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my entire income. Have you heard prayers like that before? Okay. Have you prayed like that before? Okay. But the tax collector was standing at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. Instead, he became very upset and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Notice what Jesus said. I can guarantee this tax collector went home with God's approval. But the Pharisee didn't. Everyone who honors himself will be humbled, but the person who humbles himself will be honored. Jesus taught us that prayer is relational. It is not religious. It's relational, not religious. The third thing is that prayer involves a place and a space. Circle those two words on your notes, a place and a space. When you pray, you set your regular times of prayer. You need to set not only the time to pray, but also find a place to pray. Have, have your own place. That might vary from time to time or day to day, but what's your place? Where do you meet with God? I have, I have a couple places that I meet with God. and I don't, I'm not always in those, those places, but many times I find myself in that place because I've built memories with God in those places. And I have a place that I go to pray. Jesus went to a solitary place where he prayed. He went to a place called Gethsemane. And so you find yourself in a place, but also you need a space. Remember that Jesus said, go into your room when you pray. Go into your room and when you have shut your door. Say it with me. When you have shut your door. Now, that means obviously shut your door in terms of just getting private and alone. But it also means something else, I believe. It means... Shutting out the distractions from your life. That's what I mean by you need a, a place, but you also need a space. Because you've got to give God space. And that means you can't be thinking about everything in the wide world when you pray and, and, and get distracted. And that's what I've, over the years, I've had to learn some things that help me with that in my prayer times. One of the things that I do with me in prayer a lot is I'll take with me a piece of paper. When I'm praying, because I don't know about you, but as soon as I start praying, everything in the world comes to my mind. Is the same thing happened to you? Okay, well, what about this? Okay, what about that? I need to take care of this. I mean, suddenly I have all these things that I'm supposed to take care of uh, assaulting me while I'm trying to pray. And I've learned something. I've learned to take a little piece of paper with me. And when one of those thoughts come into mind, I'll write it down. And I'll say, I'll deal with this later. Right now I'm with God. 
and I'll come away from my prayer time. I put it aside because I didn't forget it. I put it there, and now I can lay it aside, and I can spend my time with God. That's giving God space in your life, a place and space. Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your room. When you shut your door, pray to your fathers in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And then the fourth thing, building a great prayer life starts with a pattern, a pattern. Jesus said this is the way to pray. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, most of us know that as the Lord's Prayer. Okay. And I've done teaching on this in the past. It's, I don't really have time right now to take you through what all these elements are. But Jesus was not just giving us a prayer to memorize there. It's nothing wrong with memorizing the prayer. He's not even giving us a prayer to recite because, again, this is not a religious thing. And again, there's nothing wrong with reciting the prayer. I think it can be very meaningful if you're reciting it for the right reasons, out of the right heart. But Jesus was giving you a pattern to pray. Let me quickly give you the pattern. You want to write it down in your notes there? I'll give you the pattern. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Start your prayer with praise, okay? I'm going to take some time right now and praise you, God, before I do anything else. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Write down this word. What you're doing is you're, you're, getting, you're, 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 you're inviting God's rulership over your life. You're, you're inviting God to rule you. That's what kingdom is all about, rule. God, now I've praised you. Now I'm coming to you today because I, what I want is not my will but yours. I want to see you ruling my life. And in my prayers, I'm asking you to, so you spend some time in that realm. Give us today or this day our daily bread. And then you begin to bring your needs before God. God, I want to talk to you about this need that I have with my children. I'm going to talk to you about the needs that I have with my finances or whatever it might be. God says, bring those needs to me and ask for answers. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's about relationship, getting your relationship right with God and your relationship right with other people. So I'm going to spend some time reflecting, God, what is it in my life I need to get right with you? And what is it that I need to get right with others? What forgiveness needs to, to come? And so that whole element is about working through relational issues. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's about spiritual warfare, okay? Realizing that you're in a battle every day. And so you've got to be on guard against temptation. God, help me to see temptation. Keep me from it. Also, help me to be delivered from those things that are in my that, that are coming against me to, tr to trap me or trick me anyway. And then finally, you end it with praise for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Ever. Amen. I'll give you another one. It's called the Acts uh, flow of prayer. Acts, adoration, A, Acts, adoration, C, confession, confessing your sins, T, thanksgiving, and S, supplication. That's asking God for things in your life. So those are just patterns, but it's important to have a pattern. When I pray, I, I follow a pattern like this, okay? I, I, li I literally do this. I don't pray at that same order every day. But I, there's a pattern to your prayer because it gives some structure, gives you some things to hang your, your, your prayers on as you work your way through a prayer time, okay? Very, very important. Last thing here. Everybody still with me so far? Okay. Can I give you one more? Here's our last one. To pray well, you have to believe in the benefits of prayer. You have to believe, really believe in the benefits of prayer. I hope that in this series, you will, in a deeper way than ever before, believe that prayer makes a difference. In fact, I, I'm here to tell you that if you'll start praying in a new way in 2015, you're going to see God answering your, you and your life in some incredible ways. Prayer makes a difference. Jesus said it like this 
and the latter part of verse 6, Matthew 6, pray to your Father who is in secret, in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret, what does the rest of it say? Will do what? Reward you how? Openly. Jesus could not have been more clear. These are the words of Jesus, dear ones. These are not my words. These are not just made-up words. These are the words of Jesus Christ, our Savior. There's no doubting what he promised. He promised open rewards to those who would pray his way. He said, if you'll learn to pray my way, if you'll pray secretly, God says, I'll reward you openly. If you'll find a secret place in your life with God that's regular and consistent, I promise you that God will reward you openly. The word reward there in the Greek language is a word that means to pay back, to give or bestow a gift, to do something in response to an expectation, to keep or perform one's promises. That's the meaning of this Greek word. God says, if you will pray in secret and make it a part of your life and pray my way, what my promise to you is this. I promise you that I'm going to pay back to you. I'm going to give back to you. I'm going to bestow gifts on you. I'm going to do something in response to what you expect me to do. I'm going to keep and perform my promise to you. Amen? Isn't that good to know? And so as we begin a new year, I hope as a result of this series that you will become a praying person in a deeper way. If you're a, a, a child here, you know, children can pray effective prayers. Amen? Don't ever think that your child, your three-year-old, five-year-old child can't pray a prayer that God will not answer. You need to be teaching your children the power of prayer. So, kids, if you're here today, I want you to become a praying child. Teenagers that are here today, I want you to become a, a praying young person. You need to pray because your future is in front of you. You need God in your life, okay? So you need it as an early age to start becoming a praying person. Become, make a decision. I, I, I may be a young person. I may be a teenager. But I'm going to start this pattern early in my life. If you're a man or woman here today, if you're a parent here today, a husband or wife, I want you to become a praying person. As the congregation of Church of the Redeemer, I want you to be a praying congregation. Why? Because we need to see God work through our church. Amen? There are people, there, there are thousands of people that need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're launching a new campus this year. We need to take new territory for the kingdom of God. What does that involve? It involves God's people praying for his kingdom to come, his will to be done. If, you have, if you're an extended family member, and all of you are, you have me- members of your family that don't know God. God wants to make you someone that prays others into the kingdom. People at work, you become to learn, to learn to pray for the people around you, for the people that God will bring into your life. God wants to make you a person of prayer. Now, part of what will help you with this, and this is where I'm going to ask you to grab the sheet that I gave you earlier, ask you to grab earlier, so everybody get this, if you will. We're just about done here. Ten days, starting Monday, January 5th through January 14th. To say, you know what, I'm going to get started in this prayer thing. I'm going to get started dedicating some of my time and life to God in a new way for a new year. And so that's what this is all about. A fast is simply laying something aside. It usually refers to some kind of food element. It can involve other things as well. There's a lot of, lot of resources on our website at church-redeemer.org slash fast. You can read all about it there. So I would encourage you to go look at all those resources. And by the way, if you're dealing, doing something that has to do with food, if you're under medical care, uh, pregnant, you, you get the advice of your doctor. This is about you need to have some medical advice as a part of that as well. But I mean, encourage everybody. Everybody can do something this year. Amen? You can lay something aside for God. And so if you're willing to do that, and I'm, I'm not trying to 
pressure. If you don't want to do it, that's, that's your choice. You don't have to do it. Nobody's making anybody do this. But if you'd say, you know what, I'd like to be a part of that this year. I want to make, say to God, I'm going to give something up for 10 days as we begin 2015 together. All I want you to do is grab a pencil. And all you have to get, there's nothing to fill out, okay? Here's the make the commitment. It's a little bit, little tab. You see the tab on the end of it, okay? And all you have to do is put a check right there, okay? And again, this, if you don't want to put a check, that's okay. Don't, there's, there's nobody here that's going to condemn you. or it's Just for those that want to say, you know what, I'm st- I want to do this in my life. And put a little check right there. And then you're going to tear it off. simply comes off like that. And then on the right-hand side of the aisles, there, there are the brown bags. Okay, that's what the brown bags are for. If you reach down and grab the brown bag and take your little tab and drop it in the brown bag right here on the right-hand side. Everybody see it? You guys see it down here on the right-hand side? Fantastic. And it just goes the opposite way that the other one came a few moments ago. Just pass it right straight down there. Once it gets to the end of the aisle, you can sit it down there. Let me tell you about this. This will give you a little bit of information about fasting. But this also are some scripture references for you that you can read each day and check off as you read them. And then make a little comment there. This may not be sufficient journaling for you, but at least gives you a thought for that day that you'll write down. So it'll get you your mind moving forward and thinking about what God is saying to you through these passages and through this time of fasting in 2015. Fantastic. Let's bow our heads together in prayer together. Father, thank you for your word this evening. Thank you for speaking to us. We ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you'll allow us, help us to become people of prayer like we've never been before. And Lord, help us to see answers like we've never seen before. We dedicate our time to you, our first 10 days of, of, of fasting to you, Lord God, this year. Do miracles in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. 
If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.